Welcome to the OA Serenity Sunday Meeting Podcast. Serenity Sunday is now hybrid, meeting in person at Roxbury Park in Beverly Hills and on Zoom. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroups webpage at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live in either iteration. Now that we're meeting in person, Serenity Sunday has regular meeting expenses and would appreciate Seventh Tradition donations to help support the meeting and this podcast. You can donate via Venmo at Serenity Sunday. Last four digits of the phone number are 6255 or through PayPal, Serenity Sunday 1212 at gmail.com. The opinions expressed on the Serenity Sunday podcast are those of the individual speaker and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. And now, our speaker. Um, hi, I'm uh, Nicole. I'm, I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic, and bulimic. I'm hi, Nicole. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going to talk about what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. So, for me, uh, compulsive eating and body dysmorphia and everything that goes along with that started for me at a very young age. Um, you know, uh, I'm just, you know, just to be brief, but when I was a child, I did have um, a somewhat traumatic childhood and my parents were very obsessed with how my body looked and growing up, um, I was taller than the other kids and people were always just kind of like pointing out, oh, you're big, things like that. People would make body comments even when I was maybe like five years old in ballet, that kind of thing. Um, you know, my parents had a very abusive marriage and it was a bad environment and I think you know that kind of made food even more of a comfort because it was kind of the only comfort you know way that I could like soothe myself um, at a certain point Um, but you know when I first it first kind of all began for me was when I was about eight years old and um, that was when my parents decided that I needed to diet and I was not overweight um, I was neither thin nor overweight, you know, but I was in a healthy weight range. I wasn't overweight, but, um, you know, my father wanted me to be really skinny. So, you know, one day he he said, you know, you're disgusting, make me sick to look at you, whatever. And that was kind of the day my body dysmorphia started. So, you know, then I I learned to, um, (laughs) to count calories and to weigh myself. And there were all these foods that I wasn't allowed to eat anymore. And so my relationship with food just kind of, it all went downhill from there. Um, I would sneak eat. Um, My parents always had these big Costco snack packs. And so I would go upstairs and I would grab one out of each box. And then if I was gonna get caught, I'd throw it back in the cupboard and I'd pretend I was getting a glass of water or something, you know, but it was just, the secrecy began. So I had to restrict, I had to be skinnier and then Secretly, I would like snack and soothe with food. So whenever my parents would fight and stuff and they weren't paying attention to us, I would go eat. I would eat um, sweets or treats or whatever, especially the foods that I wasn't allowed to have. So it kind of started there and it started with the compulsive overeating. Um, But I also became really obsessed with my weight. So, you know, when I would get on the scale and I lost weight, like I was a good girl, you know, and so I got like positive reinforcement for that. So by the time I was nine, um, I, I kind of started leaning more into the anorexia side. Um, like I, 
would throw out my lunch and stuff like that at school. And I started getting too, too thin. And then I remember my parents like taking me aside and explaining to me what anorexia was and that I had to eat more, but they were the people who put me on the diet. So this was like, I felt really confused. Um, and then as I got a bit older, I was an athlete. I did um, surfing and water polo and swim. And so I would exercise a ton and I would eat a ton, you know, and I kind of realized, and a lot of my other teammates did that as well in high school. And so I realized that like, wow, you know, I can just exercise a lot and then eat a bunch and cancels it out, you know? So that's when the exercise bulimia kind of began for me. So by the time I was like, you know, high school, I kind of experimented with a lot of really unhealthy food behaviors. Um, and I just had a lot of self-hate and a lot of anxiety that I didn't know how to dress and a lot of just stuff that I didn't know how to dress. So I would eat or not eat or whatever. So when I got to college, that's when things like really kind of went the most downhill with my eating disorder. Um, you know, basically I really started leaning even harder into the exercise bulimia and it kind of just became a pattern of like, I'm going to binge, I'm going to exercise it off. I'm going to binge, I'm going to exercise it off. I'm going to tell myself I'm not going to do that again. No, I'm never going to do that again. Tomorrow I do again. And it just kind of kept going. And pretty much like I would have periods where it would be better and I'd be like, I'm fine. I'm good. And then something would happen in my life. Like I had to move. Like I remember there was a certain point I ended up having to move out of my dorm and I had to move home. And like, I didn't want to be at home or my boyfriend broke up with me. And then I would eat, 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 you know, and I would starve myself and I would exercise and I would eat. And so it was just this circle that, that wouldn't end. And I kind of just felt like, well, I've been dealing with this since I was, you know, in like second grade, second, third grade, whatever. So this is kind of my cross to bear. You know, and I felt really alone. I felt like, I don't know, people don't do this. You know, like I just, I, I don't know. I'd never really talked about it to anyone. And I just didn't, I just felt really alone. And I felt like a lot of shame. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, by when I was 19, things kind of got even worse with my eating disorder. Um, you know, I started experimenting with laxatives a lot. I started experimenting with throwing up. Um, you know, it became just this thing where I would like, spend three hours at the gym and then I was doing a full class load and I had a band and I did all this different stuff and everybody was like, oh man, you're so chill. You have everything together. I was like a very high functioning addict. So like I was excelling in school. Everyone thought I had everything together, but I didn't. Like at the end of the night, I was so lonely <laughs> and just lost and sad and I hated myself. So like this kept up and the next year, like I kind of switched all the way into anorexia oh, I'm just going to white knuckle it, I'm not going to overeat. But then I went into anorexia and I ended up getting significantly underweight, like the most underweight I'd ever been. And my period stopped. And, um, you know, I went on this like backpacking trip where I barely ate. I almost, I almost died because, you know, I didn't even realize how dangerous that was. But um, I was barely eating and hiking like 20 miles a day. Um, and I got like a severe injury. And when I got back, I wanted to maintain the weight that I lost. I'm like, I'm not going to gain the weight back. I'm going to stay like this. I like it. And I just sort of like really enjoyed when people would say, oh, you're so thin. You're so thin. Like I, that was like goals to me. So I still kind of just didn't really think that I had a problem. Now, I just sometime around like a year after that, now I'm 21. I just graduated from school. I finally moved out on my own. I'm self-supporting. You know, I've got a job. I moved to my own place with roommate. And 
it was just making me miserable. It was taking up so much of my time. It's like, man, you know, then I got back into the binging. It's like, it just kept going. Like no matter what I, how much I tried to white knuckle it. So I, I had gotten outside help and about a year into getting that out help, it kind of made me aware that, that this was a disorder. This was a problem. And I remember one day looking online, just sort of looking, because um, I don't even remember, but someone had mentioned OA to me, like when I was in college. I don't even remember who, um, but I, I might have even been my mom because I mentioned to her that I was like binging a lot and stuff. And I looked up and like I was living in West Hollywood and like kitchen sink was down the street at the time from where it was a log cabin where it used to be. And I don't know, something just higher power, whatever. Just I was like, you know what, I'm going to. I'm just going to go because I was at a point in my life where like I was in a relationship that I was really happy in. I had just started a job that I really liked where I was studying um, to do what I do now, which is what I really love. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to lose this. You know, people are going to find out I've been keeping this a secret, but this is getting bad, you know, like. Um, and so, yeah, I just still like it still really surprises me that I was willing to go. But when I went, I heard people talking about the things that I did. I've done all the things where eating out of the trash, eating the burnt food. Um, I remember making a bunch of cookies like for someone else and then pulling them out of the oven. And then when they were still too hot to eat, burning my mouth and getting like blisters on my mouth and stuff. And I was like, wow, other people do this. Other people do this. And like, I was never the same. So I just kept coming back. I was like, okay, well, once I knew other people did it, I don't know, that changed things for me. I'm like, okay, well, people are talking about like, oh, I got my one year candle. And I was like, I couldn't imagine a year, you know, I've been riding this roller coaster for my whole life. So yeah, so I got a sponsor right away and I started working the steps and I got abstinent. And, you know, at first they just, I kind of only identified as a compulsive reader and a restrictor, but I realized that it's all kind of stems from the, like the anorexia, it's anorexia and bulimia that's, you know, it's a cycle. So the overeating, like it, it was kind of related to depriving myself. So, you know, my bottom line abstinence is no binging, no purging. So that includes laxative abuse, includes exercise abuse, um, you know, and no intentionally skipping meals. So it's like, unless I have like a blood test where I have to fast or something, I'm going to eat, you know, and because I had so much food fear, like there were so many foods that I'm like, that's a bad food. If I eat it, like screw it. Like, I'm, you know, it's, I try to like wear my abstinence, like a loose garment. You know, there's certain foods that I avoid because they trigger me, you know, I avoid sugar, um, you know, and, but most foods, it's like, I just don't look at it as like, it's good or bad. You know, um, it helps me to just eat a wide variety of foods due to that. And, um, you know, about two years in, I broke my abstinence and I relapsed and um, at this wedding that I was at. And then the next day I got back on the horse and that was in 2014. Okay. So today I have um, eight years. Um, you know, one day at a time, daily reprieve. And, you know, I remember that like right before that relapse happened, I sort of was like, yeah, I got this. Like, you know, because my life, my life had changed a lot from working the steps, going to meetings, um, doing outreach, you know, doing, working good program, but I got too complacent. And, you know, now I, honestly, my, my recovery is like a lot stronger from that happening. I remember being really devastated and being like, oh my God, like I blew it, 
you know, I blew it. And I called my sponsor like right away. I was like calling her crying. I'm like, I broke my abstinence. And again, like firepower, got back on the horse. And, you know, thank God, because, you know, I don't know how, if I would have come back if I hadn't gotten right back on, you know. So, um, you know, I just kept coming back. Um, you know, so yeah, t today, like, I don't get complacent. I know that uh, all, the only recovery I have is the day that I'm in. You know, like um, I've heard other people say in program, the shower you took yesterday, it's not gonna be clean today, brushing your teeth yesterday. <laughs> you need to brush them today. And so that's kind of, you know, so so what it's like now, um, you know, I do things every day for my recovery. You know, I used to kind of like try to check off every box, like just, I gotta do this, I gotta do this tool, I gotta do this tool. I do things every day for my recovery. So that looks different every day. Um, but the main things for me, it's like, I need to connect with my higher power in some way. Ways to help me do that are being outside. Like I just love being outside of nature and looking out there because it's a pretty park. Um, you know, and just like meditating. I don't meditate as regularly <laughs> as I should. But, you know, I do different things to help me. Sometimes just sitting out or even going for a walk quietly outside, that helps me connect with my higher power. Um, and like, I know that me being abstinent and having like freedom from this one day at a time, like that's from my higher power, you know? And it works if you work it. It kind of works if you kind of work and it, it work it and it doesn't work if you don't work it. So I got to work it. Um, you know, I go to meetings, um, I sponsor, um, you know, um, and it's not a, it's progress, not perfection. I used to look at everything from a very perfectionistic standpoint. It's all or nothing. As long as I'm working my program in some capacity every day, like I'm in recovery, but I have to do that. And I have to pick up tools, um, you know, and I have service commitment. So, you know, all of that really, I need to do that because I also need to be of service and I can't keep it if I don't give it away. Um, so, you know, Basically, you know, sometimes there's times where because I don't struggle with food the way that I used to, 99% of the time, it's like sometimes I have to remind myself of what it was like because it was bad. It was bad. It was controlling my life. It was bringing me down. And it was going to get worse because this is a progressive illness. And, you know, I could definitely see that for myself. Over the years, it just got more and more extreme until I was really putting my life in danger with this. And I honestly believe that if I had not come to OA, I wouldn't be alive today. There's no way I could have kept up what I was doing and been alive today. You know, now in the beginning, I used to think, you know, I have, if I have recovery and I'm abstinent, everything's going to be great. Everything's going to be awesome. Life isn't going to be uncomfortable. But I remember my first sponsor told me, you don't get a feelings after me in program. You still, you know, it, it allows you to show up for life. A lot of the hardest experiences of my life have been through abstinence and program. You know, the difference is that like, I get to show up. I don't have to just completely check out because when I was binging and starving and purging, I was here, but I wasn't really here. It was like a mask, you know, it's like, oh, everything's fine. And I'm so upbeat. I wasn't really, I was hiding from myself and I was not honest with myself. And I didn't want people to know that I wasn't happy. And I didn't want people to know that I wasn't perfect. And, it, and I thought that as long as it looks good on the outside, I'm good, but that's not true. So, you know, I've experienced a lot of grief, sadness, I've lost people, there's been deaths, I've endured some really serious health stuff that actually messed with my food because the doctors were changing my food. They're like, oh, you can't eat this, you can't eat this. And if I didn't have recovery, there's no, no way 
that I could have handled that sanely at all. Um, you know, it doesn't work when I do it alone. It's a wee program. I, I need that. Um, it doesn't work doing it my way. I tried enough years to know that. Um, and I honestly feel that like if I can recover, then anyone can. Um, you know, so to, to anyone struggling or anyone that's new and it's just like, I, it's impossible. Okay. Um, you just have to do right now. You don't even have to do one day at a time. You can do one minute at a time. You can do one hour at a time. And there's been days where I did have to take it one minute at a time, you know. Now, kind of the thing that I still struggle with at times is my body image. I, I still deal with body dysmorphia at times. Um, you know, one of the things that's, you know, kind of really a part of my um, emotional recovery is I, I had to get more outside help. And one, you know, I, I, one of the medications that I was taking for depression, it did cause me to gain some weight. Now my brain tells me, oh, that's terrible. You, that's terrible. You gotta be super skinny or else. And that, but that's my disease. My disease tells me that I'm only lovable if I'm as, as skinny as can be. You know, that's, I'm right-sized. As long as I'm abstinent, as long as I'm working my program, I'm right-sized, that's not my business. And what people think about my weight isn't my business. Um, you know, my brain likes to tell me other people are thinking about me the way that I'm thinking about me, but they're not. People have their own lives. The world does not revolve around me. I'm not the, um, I don't know if I'm supposed to curse this meeting. I'm not the piece of, you know, stuff that the world revolves around. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, I know that today because of the program. Does my brain still tell me lies? Yeah, you know, um, but I have my higher power and I can always reach out to my higher power. And God, as I understand God, like I grew up in kind of like a, uh, like a religious kind of judgmental, like the environment was kind of judgmental and religious, you know, I, I, I even though I believed in God, I didn't have a relationship with God. And to me, like God is not like so small in this box and you have to be like this or else you have to be like this or else, you know, I used to think I could never turn to God higher power about stuff with my food or my body image. It's, it has to be like some very particular thing for me to do that. You know, I don't, I know that that's not true anymore. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how big it is because like to me, higher power, like God is love. Like it's like a light switch, the electricity, like it's always there, but you have to flip the switch. So if I'm just like in my head, in my disease, obsessing, um, I'm not accessing that I'm in the dark, but all I have to do is kind of just take a minute and like that, that light, that love is always there. Um, and that's just not how I used to think about it before the program. Um, so, you know, basically, um, you know, at this point, I've been through the steps a couple of times. Um, you know, I, I'm going to go through them again. We don't graduate. Um, and I just feel like that no matter kind of what life throws at me, sometimes it really sucks really bad but like being uncomfortable that's one of the key things of recovery i have to be okay with not being okay sometimes and there's been a lot of times the last couple years where i haven't been okay but um you know and my body has changed like i got through a pregnancy abstinent you know it's, it's a miracle because right before i got pregnant that was when i broke my abstinence and restarted my abstinence and i've gotten through all of these shifts and change with my body and all these things i can control and even my food changing and again, none of that would be possible without this program. So not only do I feel that this program has changed my life, it's saved my life, it continues to do that. And even when there's days where I'm just like, yeah, 
it's just not that much of a struggle. Like I need to remember that. I need to remember that because I was a newcomer once and you know, that's, that's the amazing thing about this program. Like anyone can just come here and we can help each other. And the cycle of helping each other just keeps continuing. And I'd so much rather be in a cycle where I can be around people that help me and I get to be around people and help others than in a cycle where I'm starving myself and I'm binging and I'm starving myself and I'm binging. I'm not in control. And honestly, most things in life, none of us really can control. We can only control how we show up. We can only control how we react. We can't control really what happens, you know? So I do the footwork and I try my best to leave the rest up to um, my higher power. And sometimes I get the results I want. Other times I don't. And like, you know, I don't know. I'm all, <laughs> not to like throw out all of the generic big book things, but like acceptance is the answer, you know? If I'm not in acceptance about how things are, like I'm at war with myself. When I'm at war with myself, and I'm trying to control the things that I can't change, then I'm not in tune with my higher power. Um, uh, so I'm sorry, what's my time? 10 seconds. <laughs> Ten seconds. <laughs> All right, well, thanks so much for letting me share. <laughs>